What's up, everyone? We're here for another episode of Locked On Bucks, and uh, you can see Frank sitting next to me. And as promised, when Frank was back, we we're going to be talking cash, <laughs> cash, <laughs> tax, contracts, all kinds of things. And I woke up this morning and I saw that Frank did his tweet, and it's a yearly tweet. The, the cap sheet has been updated, meticulously produced. Uh, by Frank and I, as I always say, I don't pretend to know all this stuff. So I messaged Frank and said, how about we do this? He said, tonight. Uh, so we're going to do it. Let's go. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win I'm your host, Kate Pittman. You can see it. Hear me on this show Monday to Friday. Uh, also find some other stuff over at ESPN. Joining me, the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, uh, Frank Madden. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online, uh, where the game starts. And uh, we always thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. Uh, and this is always a pretty popular podcast. It's funny because we always do the post game podcast, Frank and Everyone loves the post-game podcast, especially after a big Giannis game. But then you get to the off-season. And as soon as the Bucks get eliminated, which last year we didn't have to deal with, but even last year, it was, you know, within 48 hours. And I see people tweeting you. I see people asking the questions. What can the Bucks do this year? What can they do with the roster? Uh, it is, uh, you know, quite honestly, the, the thing that I think gets, you know, the fans most intrigued about what could potentially happen in the off-season. And I think it is at least somewhat interesting to see uh, what the Bucks are going to do over the next uh, couple of months here um, with their uh, with their salary cap situation. So, Frank, you've done your cap sheet, which, by the way, uh, you can see, I believe it's still linked at the top of your Twitter page, Frank. Is that right? It is, yeah. At F Madden NBA. So if you want to get a, a visual representation of what he's talking about on today's podcast, go to his Twitter and uh, you can check out the cap sheet there. Can, by the way, Kane, can't you, can't you like, uh, for our YouTube uh, viewers, can, can't you like show this on the screen or something like that figure figure it out man like we got, I just we got we got some graphic stuff here but I don't know. it's it's true but uh what what actually happened was is today that i was in a bit of a hurry i had to do my uh my duty as an australian citizen and i I've, i just voted uh which by the way obviously is important to do but nobody likes to do it it's a giant pain in the ass so i i it took longer than i wanted it to do but it's done now so that's great um but how about you get started with the cap stuff I'll figure out a way to get this uh, up on the screen here for our YouTube viewers for their viewing pleasure. Uh, but oh, I think probably the best way, I think we normally start this way, is just with an overview of where uh, things sit right now at the end of the season uh, in terms of where they're at. Yeah, and I, what I wanted to do was uh, kind of think through, I mean, like last year, the Bucks don't have obviously a whole lot of flexibility to do much as far as you know, signing a bunch of uh, other teams, free agents, things like that. Um, so I kind of wanted to put together a view of like, okay, what's a reasonable kind of bar, you know, from a front office slash, let's be honest, ownership perspective, as far as what can they reasonably do? 
what would be kind of like a best foot forward type of off season? Um, we're not going to get into like, they have the taxpayer mid-level. Obviously we could, we can do kind of a separate discussion. I think talking about potential targets and, and guys that you might target in free agency also talk about guys that you might target in trade, but I think that's probably a separate discussion, but I at least wanted to kind of think about the framework of like, what does the, the off season look like in terms of how many degrees of freedom do you have? What do you actually have to spend to move um, guys to resign? And then what does that really mean financially? Because I mean, as we saw last year, that stuff does matter. I mean, the bucks ended up spending a, an absolute ton of money last year, uh, ended up fourth, the fourth highest luxury tax bill by far, certainly the highest tax bill that they've ever had. Um, I have them at about 53 million in, in net taxes for, for this current season. So the 21, 22 season, uh, ironically that went down, um, about 5 million when they didn't make the finals because Drew Holiday had, I think about 1.2 million in incentives for the Bucks making the NBA finals and then winning the NBA finals. Um, so yay. <laughs> There's at least some financial silver lining there. I'm sure they would have much rather had all the playoff games and made a whole lot more money um, and, and gone for an NBA title. But, um, but net net, they ended up spending, they're probably gonna spend around like $212 million total when you factor in their payroll and the taxes for this, this current season. And so I wanted to see like, okay, well, how much worse is that going to get? Uh, and, and what are we really, what are, what are, what is ownership really looking at in terms of the financial commitment to basically run it back and then some, which is basically kind of what, um, you know, the way I would frame sort of where they are. So, um, going into the off season, you have basically six guys who are under contract and, and essentially can't leave or, or aren't potential waivers. And that's Giannis, Chris, Drew, Brooke, Grayson Allen, and George Hill. I know those last couple names probably not going to be uh, very popular. Um, but that that obviously is is kind of the the baseline that you start with. And you know, especially with with Drew, Giannis, uh, and Chris, that's a huge amount of money. Those six guys on their own, $141 million in net salary. Uh, so it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. And the luxury tax projected to be at $149 million uh, next year. So basically you're, you're practically right up against the tax, even with just those first six guys before you fill out the rest of the roster. So that's sort of the starting point. Um, I also included sort of the cap hold, the cap slot for the number 20 over four overall pick. Obviously we don't know what the Bucks are gonna do. I think we'd all guess that there's a high probability that they will at least look at options to move that pick to try to bring in more immediate help. That pick could be packaged with Grayson Allen or George Hill or both to try to bring in, you know, a veteran that that you could slot into the rotation immediately. Um, I don't think they're going to trade Brooke Lopez, but, you know, again, in theory, you could also use Brooke's salary in that kind of deal. So they have some options there, but for now, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, Kane, we, we obviously don't talk a lot about the draft, but I think I still have a soft spot for the idea of at least adding a, a young player uh, out of the draft and heck, maybe having somebody that could play with Giannis, you know, uh, beyond the next couple of years. So I, I included that slot as well. That's about a two and a half million dollar slot um, for that first round pick if they were to keep it. And then the interesting stuff comes into when you start looking at the free agents, right? And so I think 
it all starts really with with Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis. And to me, this is sort of the the main litmus test of do the Bucks have a successful offseason? I think you need to bring those guys back. Again, kind of like what we had last year with PJ Tucker. If you don't resign those guys, you can't just use that money that you would have paid them elsewhere because they're both types of bird free agents. Bobby's actually an early bird free agent, so you can't go and pay him whatever you want, which maybe isn't the worst thing in the world because essentially the max they can pay for him is a contract starting at $10.9 million. That's 105% of the average salary. So again, it's kind of a projected number right now. Um, but when you think about it, the the non-tax mid-level that again, all the teams that are uh, that are not over the tax have at their disposal, it's probably gonna be about like a little over $10 million. And to me, that's probably like the ceiling for both Pat and Bobby. Like it wouldn't shock me if a team you know, a team that's pretty good that, you know, isn't already way over the tax that has the non-tax mid-level, like, hey, could they offer Bobby or Pat something in that range? Wouldn't shock me, right? But to go over that amount as a starting salary, again, then you're talking about a very small number of teams. And most of the teams that are in that position are not going to be very good. And again, I mean, we can sort of talk in the abstract about like, oh, well, maybe some team would give Bobby Portis $14, 15000000 million. Okay, then my response to that is always, which team is that? Go look at the list of teams with cap space. Go, go tell me which team is going to make that offer. Not saying it can't happen, but again, I think um, you just have to sort of. It only takes one one a hole, as they say, uh, to kind of again blow up a market for a player. But um, but I, I would sort of peg the ranges for both those guys. You know, I think Bobby Marks mentioned Pat Connaughton, eight to ten million. That seems about right to me. Um, you know, you hope maybe you can get a little bit of a discount with Pat, just given, uh, I think he wants to be here. I think obviously Bud and the team wants to keep him here. I slotted him in at an eight and a half million dollars starting slash salary with 5% raises that works out to about a $27 million contract. I picked three years, maybe give him another John horse special two years plus a player option. Bucks love giving out player options as ways to sort of throw a little bit of a bone to players and, and maybe reduce the salary a little bit. So I put Pat in at, at that number. And then for Bobby, we know, well, we don't know what exactly may have been wink winked a year ago when he signed for far less than his market value to come back to the Bucks. Um, but we knew that they were going to be able to pay him much more this year. Was there an understanding that they would take care of him and give him, you know, that, that again, I hesitate to call it a max salary because it's only the max that the Bucks can offer. But the most of the Bucks can offer this $10.9 million starting salary. It works about $47 million if they did over four years. They did three years, it'd be about $34 million. Again, I put it in as, as a three-year deal for $34 million. Maybe it would be the full four-year. Again, maybe you give Bobby the, the John Horst special, the two-plus-one player option. But I think that's a reasonable guess to say that if Bobby's coming back, it probably would be very close to that number. Again, some of that because you think he's going to be worth that. Moving forward, he's 27 years old. Obviously, he's still very good and was a huge part of what they did in the regular season. You've obviously won a championship with him. Um, and, you know, let's be honest, part of that is paying him back for being well below his market the last two years, right? I don't, I don't think any Bucks fan would say that that uh, Bobby Portis was, you know, getting uh, getting overpaid because uh, he was finally getting his, his fair market uh, moving forward. So... Those are kind of the two key key guys that I would highlight. Um, 
if they lose either of those guys, God help us on Bucks Twitter because we know there's going to be hell to pay and the questions about the Bucks being cheap and not willing to pay, all that stuff is going to come out. Again, if someone gave Bobby $15 million a year, the Bucks can't match that. But with Pat, they technically could pay him whatever, essentially up to a max salary, which obviously he's not going to get that much. But I don't know, Kane. Let me pause there. Do you also feel like both those guys are coming back, or where would you put the likelihood of their of their returns? I think it's probably more likely that Pat does than Bobby does. Um, and part of the reason why I think that, well, and by the way, I should I should be careful saying that because I have also worked on the assumption that the only reason he signed for the discounted deal was that he was going to get paid the max of what he could. So maybe I'm wrong in saying that I would expect Pat to come back. Uh, the only thing I'm saying is that I, I do think that we've seen over the course of the last two postseasons that in terms of a guy that really, no matter who you're playing against, is going to be able to play in the postseason. Maybe, maybe it's more valuable if the Bucks bring back Pat. I think he's been a pretty reliable uh, playoff contributor. That's probably the way I would look at it. Uh, it's not lost on me that that is kind of hilarious when you think about the absolute outrage at the contract he got uh, two seasons ago uh, to, to where he is now, and he's going to get a pay rise on that contract, which after that, uh, even the idea of that two years ago would have been enough to have Bucks Twitter absolutely melting down uh, as well. So uh, that's probably where I would have it, uh, Frank, I think, um, in terms of the likelihood. I, I think that Pat is more valuable to this team in terms of what you can do in the postseason. Uh, but it has felt that there was some kind of deal there with Bobby. But again, if that's out of their hands, I don't know. Bobby's previous contract, I don't know if you know it off the top of your head, but it was it was above that 10.9 uh, mark whatever he got when he was playing playing elsewhere i don't know whether he's got to the level where a team would be willing to pay him that again it does feel like he was in a pretty perfect role uh here with the bucks um but it's just interesting to think that as you pointed to they're not going to get this money back the bucks owners are probably only in a position where if they don't do what people want them to do they're going to be called cheap but irrespective of whether they do what people want them to do they're paying a a major 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 tax bill yeah, and here's the thing as well. Uh, I, I didn't even mention this because it's such a foregone conclusion, but Pat and Bobby both technically have player options for next year. So Pat yeah, has that yeah. $5.7 million player option, which, you know, a couple of years ago, people probably would have assumed like, oh, he's he's definitely going to, he's not going to opt out of that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but as you said, he's played really well. And I would agree with you. I mean, I have no question that I'm going to want to play Pat Connaughton in every playoff series. And I don't, you know, foresee a scenario where Pat can't play in a playoff series or like compromises your defense. I mean, again, not that Pat is like, you know, Kawhi Leonard 2.0 or something like that defensively. Um, but obviously we've seen it with Bobby. He does have limitations defensively. I thought we saw that, especially in some of the the hedging of pick and rolls. I didn't love from him in that Celtic series. Um, but the flip side is as well. I think he's actually a pretty underrated as a, as a switch defender they probably could have gotten away with more of doing more of that against the Celtics. Um, so I, I don't really look at Bobby. I think it was obviously a question certainly a, a year ago before the playoff run that won them a championship. I think he answered some of those questions, but again, he didn't really even play against Brooklyn, which was one of the reasons why I thought, Hey, you probably were better off keeping PJ Tucker than Bobby Portis going into last summer. It ends up being the opposite. And to Bobby's credit, he had an awesome regular season. 
um, still had some, definitely some moments uh, in the playoffs, you know, was really consistent against the Bulls, was a pretty much a double-double machine. Had a couple of solid night, nights against the Celtics as well. And obviously the big tip in, in game five or the big putback in game five. But, you know, obviously you look at the aggregate numbers, not, not really where you'd want to be, especially from a shooting perspective. But, um, but again, it's like, you know, is there a guy that they may end up with if you let Bobby go that approximates maybe is a better defender, but maybe doesn't give you the same offense. Um, maybe there's, there's some options there, right. Especially if you're willing to trade picks and things like that. But the easy thing is just pay Bobby Portis and, and then not have to worry about having to pull another rabbit out of your hat, trying to use, you know, your almost bare cupboard of assets to, to try to put in um, a different type of player. So yeah, I would say the obvious answer here, bring both guys back. You know, I think they both like being in Milwaukee. I think they both have great rapport with that locker room. Um, obviously Bobby, you know, local legend, but Pat also, I mean, you just can't underestimate what, what he's meant to this franchise. And um, obviously he's put down roots here, business interests, things like that. So hopefully Pat, you know, would not look at the bucks if they offered a little bit less and say like, Oh, well, screw it. I'm just going to chase, you know, the, the extra money someplace else. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, but, but anyway, so those are really the two, I'd say kind of the two key decisions. And then, um, we quickly kind of get into, um, I think a couple, I'll, I'll bring a couple other options, uh, kind of decisions up. I mean, Wes Matthews and Javon Carter, both expiring contracts. Um, you know, again, I, someone, uh, commented today about how Javon Carter would definitely want to go elsewhere after not playing much against the Celtics. I don't know. Does Javon Carter think that he's entitled to minutes? I, I don't know, right? Um, he obviously didn't play at all for the Suns last year in the playoffs. He got waived by the Nets. Um, you know, he's bounced around a fair bit. Obviously, this is his Bucks were his, or his fourth team in whatever it is, three or four years. Um, so I, I certainly hope that they try to bring him back. Um, certainly giving George Hill some competition. George Hill is, again, a guaranteed contract, but who knows at his age, again, could be a piece that gets thrown into a trade if the Bucks make a move. Um, I would certainly say if you can get Javon Carter back, I put him in at, at a minimum number. Is there a market for him beyond that? Maybe, but I also don't think anybody's offering him, you know, $5 million a year or something closer to the taxpayer mid-level to, you know, do what he does. Obviously, you know, really solid defender, but undersized, um, not obviously a, a big offensive weapon, although he knocked down shots like crazy for the Bucks, uh, shooting threes, but doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, otherwise, and certainly not a guy that you would expect to shoot 40% from three every year based on what he's previously done. So I think Carter, obviously, hey, bring him back if you can. Hopefully it's, again, around the minimum. And then to me, Wes Matthews, you know, obviously a guy that I have been rooting for uh, since since he came back uh, at the start of December. Um, hopefully, again, he's a guy that would come back for the minimum or close to the minimum. They could technically offer uh, either guy a little over the minimum, 120% um, of that as a, what's called a non-bird free agent. Um, but again, they don't have a lot of flexibility to spend much more unless they tap into the tax pyramid level to uh, to pay either of those guys. So hopefully Wes, you know, is happy to come back. Again, in an ideal world, would you have to obviously have to rely on playing Wes 30 minutes a game in the playoffs? Maybe not, but the way I look at this roster right now, and, you know, the way that the, the East looks in particular with Boston and their wings, with uh, the Heat and their wings, um, 
you know, you need a guy like Wes, and until you find that replacement or another guy that can do that role, um, I think, again, you kind of roll the dice and say, all right, you know, for a little bit of money, let's bring Wes back and, you know, try to hopefully not play him that much during the regular season. And then maybe as they did this year, hope that you can keep him healthy during the regular season. And then if you have to ramp him up again to play him, you know, a bigger role in the playoffs again, at some point, he's not going to be able to do that. Um, but I think he deserves a lot of credit for holding up as well as he did and contributing as much as he did um, this past season. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you, I mean, are, are you of the mind? Do you see both those guys coming back? Do you see the Bucks being able to uh, convince Javon Carter to come back despite his not playing much in the second round? I think so. He didn't. He didn't really look to me like a guy. Um, if you just went by pure body language, he didn't look like a guy to me that was too grumpy. He was probably only trailing Thanasis for the like bench celebrations. He seemed. He seemed like he was happy to be a part of it uh, every time. You know, we got a chance to hear from him. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I don't expect that he's going to be a guy that's going to be getting a, a huge deal. And if I was him, maybe internally he would be a little bit annoyed that he wasn't playing ahead of George Hill. But if I was him, I would also be saying, well, next year this team is going to be good again uh, and I should be able to get those minutes. So, I, I mean, to me, it would seem like a pretty attractive option, particularly on a team that um, is probably going to be needing guys to contribute at the position. So, yeah, I, I would suspect the Bucks would be in a good position to bring him back. And, and I just, just given the you know, proximity of Milwaukee and home and all those types of things, I, I think Wes... It's not like last time, for instance, where we looked at it after the bubble and said, I think Wes has got a reason to be maybe a bit annoyed. Uh, he played major minutes. He probably played more than, than than he would say himself in an ideal scenario. So I think that'd be in a good spot uh, to bring him back again. A year older, what can he contribute in 12 months' time? I'm not 100% sure, but um, he was certainly good this year. Uh, another thing that was good this year was Built Bar, Frank. You know uh, <laughs> you know that. Every year. Every, uh, every year. That's, that's reliable. It's as consistent as they come. Uh, more than a role player as well are the brownie batter puffs that are now in the rotation for Built Bar. Uh, but uh, they got plenty of different flavors all the time. Just go to built.com and you'll be able to check out the new flavors they roll through, whether it's the traditional bars, the puffs. Uh, but it, you're in luck with the brownie batter puffs because it's Built's new creation. And this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, Frank, and they're available right now on built.com. If you haven't tried the puffs yet, I'm not sure what you're waiting for, quite honestly. Puffs are a, choc- a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar, uh, delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Uh, the brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to built.com to get the brownie batter puffs right now. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And don't forget about uh, perhaps our other longest ter- uh, time sponsor, BetOnline.net. Uh, Celtics favorites right now to take out the Eastern Conference Finals. They just uh, blew out the heat just before we recorded this. I haven't watched a second of it, but, uh, you know, good for them. I'm happy that they've tied things up there at 1-1. Uh, but if you are into it, you can find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, uh, NHL playoffs going on as well. We know Justin uh, really looking into NHL Twitter right now. But Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. It's Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, Frank, 
One thing that does stand out to me when I'm looking at your cap sheet from 2021-22 to 22-23, it's going to be a sad day with no Larry Sanders on the cap sheet uh, next season or John Lua, but specifically Larry Sanders. uh, We know that contract that he never actually uh, fulfilled in the absolute slightest. Uh, but uh, 13 million bucks spread out over seven years. It's a lot has happened in that seven years when you think about uh, how the bucks have transformed uh, during the Giannis era. So no Larry Sanders. So that stands out to me. Another name that stands out to me, um, we've gone through most of the veterans here and and Serge Barker, I guess, is another one who I, I probably wouldn't expect would be back. Uh, maybe he's on the opposite end of the scale to Javon Carter. Perhaps he doesn't want to come back after after really not playing at all. And I would imagine that he's a guy that probably thinks he still has something left in the tank. As much as I think it made sense, there was no room for him in the rotation. He probably would have preferred to play. So I think he'll probably thinks he's got another year or two elsewhere. Uh, what do you think they do? What do you think is the deal with, with Jordan Moore? Who, if you go back all the way to opening night, I got some buckets and we were like, okay, well, you know, let's at least just wait and see whether this could be a guy that could get you 10 minutes a night. Obviously didn't eventuate. Uh, we were talking a lot about how he was coached early in the season. He always seemed to have a pretty damn short leash with, with Bud and was in trouble for defensive lapses, let's say. Uh, but as you've continued to point out here, uh, there isn't a lot of room to move for the Bucks, And and I, I I don't know. I don't know what this is. This is a guy that I would imagine that I don't think he's going to be out of the league. I think he's done enough to probably stay in the league. Um, but I can't exactly sit here and say that if he's on the Bucks next year, I would expect him to play. Yeah, I I mean, I actually had him just as a casualty in in my assumptions. Doesn't yep. mean that uh, that that they won't bring him back or can't bring him back. Um, you know, looking at kind of the the end of the bench guys, you know, I assume Thanasis either I assume he just picks up his player option or whatever bucks resign him to oh, one plus one. yeah <laughs> well the one plus one actually also um is that what he had downside I remember yeah exactly yeah um so uh so yes the nasus comes back of course um luca vildoza ray john tucker and jordan wara i think are the you know the, the 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 three guys that are technically under contract for next year um and vildoza look i just said all right maybe he comes back I don't know, right? I mean, we we saw so little of him. He had a couple of fun moments, um, especially in that bowl series. Uh, Tucker, I, I don't know. I I just assumed it was kind of a, you know, reward a guy who had put in the time with uh, with the G League club. Um, I assumed he probably wouldn't be back, so I, I assumed Tucker would would be waived by the end of training camp. I assumed Vildoza would stay. Again, the cap number. I mean, the 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 you know their salaries are are very very close, right? Under two million for both guys. So I just assumed one would be back. It's possible neither could be back, and maybe they bring back Jordan Wara. Um, and then there's the other guy who uh, we haven't mentioned yet, Sandro Mamukalashvili, was a two-way guy this year. Um, I thought it was interesting that they did not, when when they signed Tucker, they could have given Mamu a, an NBA contract at that point. You know, that was when they had released DeAndre Benbury because of the knee injury. Instead of um, you know putting Sandra on an NBA contract, which also would have made him playoff eligible. I mean, again, not that you were going to play him in the playoffs, but it was a little interesting, right? That Ray John Tucker just gets brought in and Vildoza gets brought get brought in at the end of the year, 
and they're technically playoff eligible and and Mamu who you know was a draft pick last year and was with them all year and honestly like had some moments I think he's shown you know a pretty good skill set he shot over 40 percent from three um kind of did what he could but obviously has major limitations especially on the defensive end just lacking strength and, and I think the size you'd want of, of a big man um so they're gonna have to make a decision there I mean they could again make him a two-way guy again you know he's basically he's a restricted free agent so um they can match offers for mamu they can match offers for jordan wara um is there somebody that wants to sign mamu to an nba contract if there is what would the bucks do you know that that's a question mark that they would have to figure out so um so again i i probably feel like i feel like mamu probably comes back you know like i thought he probably did what did enough as a rookie um and was able to i think you know from a coachability standpoint um probably did about as well as as probably could have been reasonably expected um but again it quickly starts to become a numbers game because you know the guys we mentioned at the top plus pat bobby that gets you to eight guys Thanasis is nine you know pick one of vildoza ray john tucker and jordan wara that takes you to 10 and then we mentioned west matthews javon carter that gets you to 12 and then if you keep that number 24 of our pick now you're at 13 and we haven't even talked about you know sort of other teams free agents what you use your taxpayer mid-level on if you use any of that that's a 6.4 million dollar exception this year um so if you sign somebody with that right let's say you spend six million dollars on somebody from the outside to upgrade um from an outside free agent then you're already at 14 guys and let's be honest you know essentially where the bucks are in the cap or sorry in the tax you know they're basically getting hit with a over four multiplier at this point over four dollar multiplier for every dollar to spend so if you if you were to use that 6.3 million dollars 6.4 million dollar exception again at the margin you're talking about adding an additional 32 million dollars in total <laughs> salaries right it's like a 5x multiplier and you i remember the there was a lot of talk about this with the warriors um, a couple of years ago with like Kelly Oubre, where it was like a similar situation where it was just like, you know, an insane amount of, mar of, of cost, something like 80 million or some, some, something like crazy that. like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I can see the argument for saying like, well, that's not really how you should look at it. You know, like you should think about the roster holistically and that's fair. Right. Um, but again, like, I think this is in practice how teams look at it. Right. Especially when we're talking about kind of signing those incremental guys, um, to contracts. So. I think if if they were to you know if, if you ask me if you know if they sign Pat sign Bobby especially if they can bring back Wes I think that's an important thing that I would really like to see Carter yes I'd like to see it to me it's a little less important um, and then they bring back you know one or two of those guys that we talked about um, at that point you know if you again use that taxpayer mid level on top of having the draft pick and all this other stuff. Uh, you're talking about a tax bill of $76 million on top of a cap cost of about $177 million. Okay. So this year, the total payment was about, I think, $212, $213 million when you factored in taxes and all that. Um, next year, if you if you do what, what I just outlined, you'd be at about 253 So about 40, 40 million more money spent coming off a year when... They only went two rounds. I don't know how much, you know, less revenue they made this year because they didn't go to the finals and didn't win an NBA championship and all that other stuff, right? Um, 
probably matters a little bit. Now you could say the flip side is, well, yeah, you could would have got probably would have gone more than two rounds if you had spent more money, bring back PJ Tucker, blah blah blah, right? We don't need to relitigate that. Um, but I think it is a it's going to be really interesting. I would love to be a fly on the wall of the discussions with ownership where they decide, you know, do you, do they take the you have to spend money to make money mindset, or do they take the money of the the mindset of well, that's just that's just a lot of money, and at some <laughs> point, you know, we just don't want to spend on the margin all that money. Um, I thought it was really interesting that I mean they got two second round picks out of that Serge Ibaka, Dante Divincenzo trade, but they added again I don't remember off the top of it, but something on the order of like eight to ten million dollars in net cost by making that move, which really surprised me because you know again Serge Ibaka made a lot more than Dante, made more than the kind of net salaries that went out, and then they added you know a couple of salaries, but you know, again, those were late in the year, so the, the net tax effect was low. Um, so they actually, I mean, they they were willing to bite the bullet. You know, we talked about how after the PJ move, obviously that felt like a cheap out move. They end up using the trade exception that they had to add salary that they didn't necessarily have to with the Grayson Allen move. Um, so again, they they ended up spending a ton of money last year. Um, you know, for for reference, if people are wondering, like, well, how much money is is a lot? The Warriors are were in a different stratosphere. They had a $170 million tax bill last year. So they ended up spending um basically $345 million, which is just mind-boggling. But you know, I guess the upside of being light years ahead and being in San Francisco Bay Area and the the tickets tickets cost there. Ah, I was gonna say $170 million. That's 10 courtside seats. That's not too bad. There you go. There you go. Uh the Nets were at $98 million, the Clippers $83 million, and the Bucks again, I think. Uh, spot track has them at 58.6. I think that's including though, the, the drew holiday number at the previous likely bonus number, which again, winning a championship was a quote unquote likely bonus for him this year because they won it last year, but obviously they didn't. So I think that number will come down, I think like 53 or so. So again, bucks were fourth behind, you know, San Francisco, New York and LA teams. So, okay. That, Bucks were, were up there in terms of spending. Um, and so again, but gives you some, some context for what it would mean to next year spend again, would they spend $76 million in, in taxes to go up to 253 million? I don't know. Um, I would say, I feel like they will probably try to bring back Pat and Bobby. And then I think the question is, you know, do they maybe not use the full taxpayer mid-level um, do they use maybe part of it? Do they maybe, you know, again, sign some minimum guys, um, and then sort of, you know, hide behind sort of the idea of, Oh, we didn't want to spend it. Cause we want flexibility going into the regular season, you know, flexibility. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I can kind of get at some point, you know, you don't want to spend $32 million on a, you know, DJ Augustine type, <laughs> type player. But again, DJ Augustine probably should not have been a, a taxpayer. Uh, well, he, he actually made more than taxpayer mid-level that year. Um, so anyway, um, very interesting offseason for sure for many reasons, um, but not the least of which uh, will be sort of the litmus test of whether or not Bucks ownership gets lit up by the fan base for being too cheap or, or whether they uh, get the you know solemn nod from, from the fan base for, okay, you know, you, you brought that Pat and Bobby, you spent the the taxpayer mid-level. Okay. We're okay. We're, you're okay with us for now. You kept spending, which again, I mean, uh, this would be the, that next year would also be the third year. That means the repeater tax coming. 
Um, it is going to be extremely expensive to keep this team together, to keep, you know, again, a winner around Giannis. But to me, it's like, you know, if you're not willing to do that, then you pick the wrong thing to invest in, right? Um, they're going to make, you know, the, the, the obviously the value of the franchise has uh, appreciated and by, you know, two, at least two, three times probably. Um, and again, not that they're going to go sell the team, but um, if they wanted to, they would easily pay for whatever losses they might get over the next couple of years. And, you know, the upside of being rich, you can always find ways to take losses and uh, use it to, you know, offset money you make elsewhere. So uh, needless to say, I don't think any of us are worried about the, uh, you know, the accounting uh, for, for ownership. But um, I think we also have to be realistic that, you know, these things matter to teams, not just the bucks, but, but all teams care about this stuff look no further than like the Lakers who decided, you know, Alex Caruso wasn't worth keeping and going to know how that their season unfolded. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where they are. Um, you know, again, I haven't done a rigorous analysis sort of like where, you know, some of the different guys would leave you in terms of, uh, your kind of positional rotations. I think that's where, you know, we can, I think, talk about, in the coming couple of months, obviously about, or really about the next month, right, with with July approaching pretty quickly, about what kinds of players they might target, um, what positions they should be targeting. Um, you know, I think the quick answer for me would be wings, wings and sort of combo forwards, right? Shooting, defense, and guys that can kind of play with Giannis in in small ball configurations. You know, basically more the the PJ replacement question continues. Um, but I don't know, Kane, what, what's your take? I mean, did, did you have any other thoughts on some of the guys either currently on the roster and whether they might be sticking around or, or about kind of specific needs that, that the Bucks might be thinking about as, uh, as we inch here closer to free agency? Uh, I think we'll get to it. We can't be wasting these 50-minute podcasts in the, in the off-season. I'm going to space out the content, Frank, so I'm going to have to leave it there. But I was watching uh, – I am – and I always I do this probably once a year. I start to watch through uh, Seinfeld again, as uh, you know, as a, generally as something to fall asleep to. And I was watching the episode last night where Kramer's just like, "Don't worry about it, Jerry. The the rich people they just write it off." And Jerry's like, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "They just write it off." So surely the owners, I don't know, the tax bill, they just write it off, don't they? Is that is that what they're going to be able to do with this? You always say, Frank, it's not for us to worry about the owners' money. Uh, but my one prediction for the off season is that no matter what they do, uh, there'll be uh, significant portion of people calling them cheap and uh to me um they're spending a lot of money maybe not maybe they could have done things differently last year but i probably never would have thought six years ago seven years ago eight years ago that you'll be saying the bucks for multiple years are going to be in the top five top four top three salaries in, in the league i just wouldn't have thought that was even a slight possibility so i'm curious to see uh what they do i hope that they bring those particularly, you know, Bobby and Pat back, as you said, and then I hope they, they use the the taxpayer mid-level as well. That would be my preference, but we'll see uh, what they do. But in terms of, you know, free agents and even trades, potential trades, I guess there's a, there's a couple of guys there. You already mentioned George Hill, but you know, we'll see. Maybe there's some other trades in the works there. I'm sure we can talk about it uh, in the coming weeks here. I guess it's not too far away. It feels like the Bucks season ended early, but uh, free agency will roll around uh, here soon. But, uh, thanks, thanks for your uh, comprehensive wrap. Hopefully, that's uh, made a lot of sense to people. Yeah, and a, and a couple, a couple things we didn't talk about. Uh, 
Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez extension eligibility. Um, they are eligible for extensions this summer. Uh, we'll talk about, I know we were having a, a, a protracted DM conversation with uh, Eric and Dean about that topic, um, which I don't know, for some reason, I just don't find it that interesting in part because I don't really know if something's going to happen. Uh, although I, I do think Chris Middleton probably wants to stay in Milwaukee and the Bucks would like to keep Chris Middleton beyond uh, kind of a couple years left on his contract. Um, Brooke, I think is a perhaps more interesting question given his age, but you know, again, you just hope these guys continue to age well. Uh, Brooke obviously being a fair bit older than Chris, but, um, but we'll kind of, we can talk about a little bit about like what, what that may mean for the off season. But I think the upside is, you know, it's not like Chris Middleton is going to be on a different team um, signing with somebody else this summer or something like that. We're still at least a year away from him potentially even being able to opt out. And again, I think all sides probably would, would like to, to keep things going here in Milwaukee. So, so yeah, that's the kind of big thing. And then the other piece, just, just, just a kind of reminder, you know, when we talk about Pat and, and Bobby, um, I mean, the other important piece here is not just resigning them because you think they can help you win another championship, but also, you know, again, given the lack of flexibility, and we talked about this last year with PJ, but there is value in just maintaining these kind of salary slots for trade purposes. And, you know, I think the upside with Pat and Bobby is also like, I think we've shown like they're, they're good regular season players, you know, Pat being a, a wing shooter guy that has shown it, he can show up in big moments in the playoffs. Um, you know, every team would like to have more guys like that. And even Bobby for some of his limitations, really productive NBA player, he's 27 years old. And, you know, even if you're a mediocre team, that's just trying to get back to the playoffs. I think Bobby Portis has shown he can be a really useful guy in that regard as well. So, you know, if you sign them to the kind of numbers that we're talking about, um, it's not to say that they become like huge trade assets that you can go and swing for, you know, Dame Lillard or something. <laughs> Cause I feel like I had to mention him because a few people were like, Oh, what about the Dame Lillard trade trade option? Most of them have to mostly joking, jokingly. Um, yeah. I don't think the bucks have a Dame Lillard trade uh, up their sleeves. I don't think you're going to aggregate those guys, you know, next spring for uh, in a Dame Lillard trade, but um, but obviously signing guys to contracts that are commensurate with what they can do and what they contribute and are movable if needed in the future. That's obviously a really key part of, you know, good front office ownership. And I mean, the upside is like really the last couple of years, you look at the Bucks roster, um, they've become super top heavy in terms of their salaries. And, you know, you've got Brooke also making, you know, 13, 14 million. Um, which I'd think is, we'd all say, you know, as long as he's on the floor, he's going to be worth that. Um, really, really no bad bloated contracts that you're trying to unload. Uh, they've been able to, again, some of it just because they don't have, they don't have a lot of money to spend uh, and waste on free agents um, with, with cap space. <laughs> um, they obviously uh, have a pretty, you know, again, it's a, it's a expensive roster, but it's pretty well proportioned when you talk about the level of talent on it. So um Again, I hope Bobby and Pat get resigned and contribute for the next few years and help bring another championship to Milwaukee. But um, there's also value in just having, you know, reasonably productive guys in those types of kind of mid-range salary slots that can be aggregated together to potentially bring in either similarly paid guys or, or more expensive guys. Yeah, 
we'll get to that <clears throat> over the next few weeks. So make sure you check out the Locked On NBA podcast as well. Uh, they got you covered for everything going on in the postseason uh, right now. And then, uh, as always, whether it's on Twitter or on YouTube, whatever it is, you can send through questions and those types of things. I'm sure we'll do a mailbag at some point, Frank. I'm sure people will have lots of. Questions I'll let you answer the. Trades. I'll let you. I'll let you answer the ca- the cap questions. Now that I've done this, you can just be the the cap answer guy. How about that? Kane. There's there's no way that I would be confident enough to answer cap questions in, with Frank Madden sitting right there next to me because <laughs> the look because I couldn't handle if we were doing the audio podcast and I couldn't see the look of disgust on his face but doing this YouTube stuff there's no way the disappointment would crush me when I got something inevitably wrong Frank. By uh, by the way, if you guys ever have questions, you can always just do what I've always done. If you have questions you don't know the answer to from a cap perspective, www.cbafaq.com it's Larry Kuhn, who's like the godfather of uh, NBA CBA knowledge. Um, it's got pretty, pretty much everything I know about the CBA is because I've just referenced that thing and read it so many times over the years to try to understand stuff. So um, if you do have questions, yes, you can just tweet it at me and I'll probably give you an answer. Uh, but, you know, do me a solid sometime. Maybe maybe just go look it up yourself and, you know, I don't know if you like learning about this stuff. So it's, uh, it's a great resource. That goes for you too, Kane. By the way, you can feel free to check check cbafaq.com and not not just bug me on DMs. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna opt out of that uh, potential option there. Uh, but it sounds like a good website. I have checked it out before, but most of the time I just find it easier uh, to hit you up. All right, we'll be back next week. Uh, we got plenty of stuff going on. Obviously, we will get to more of that transactional stuff. Uh, free agents and all those types of things. So uh, make sure you check back in with us next week. But for now, for Frank, myself, have a lovely weekend.